Well, uh, today in the church calendar, as I shared uh, coming into this series, is Pentecost Sunday. And we've been in a series for a few weeks now called Empowered, exploring the person, work, and presence of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to explore the Holy Spirit as wind and fire, and you'll understand more what that looks like here in a moment. But I want to just remind you again, this is a series that a large number of vineyard churches all across the country are participating in together. Our national director, Jay Pathak, who will actually have a, a chance to hear from just a few minutes via video here at the conclusion of my talk, uh, called us as a movement to unify around this time. We, as vineyard people, are often said to be people of the Spirit of God. That is our heritage, that is our birthright, and so at this particular time in the church calendar, as we celebrate Pentecost, uh, it, it's a natural uh, place for us as vineyard people, as people who partner with the Holy Spirit, and we're going to explore what that looks like today. But I want to start with this thought. Jesus tells us this in a number of different places. We're just going to read one. In John 14, verses 18 and 19, out of the New Living Translation, he says this, I will not leave you as orphans. Some translations it says, I will not leave you alone. I will not abandon you. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You will also live. This is a promise. The Lord says that we will not be left as orphans. We will not be left alone to figure things out, to navigate the stress and strife of this world sort of on our own, just coming up with our best ideas and muddling our way through and holding on till we get to the other side. I don't know about you, but for me, that's good news because I've done some muddling through in my life. I've done some, I'm going to use my analytical reasoning and try to figure it out, and it doesn't always turn out so well. This promise that we're going to explore today is that the Lord Jesus, by sending his Holy Spirit, actually comes and empowers us and gives us the help that we need, not only to navigate this life, and as I've told you so many times before, his help doesn't mean that it will be easy, but I like to say, when you're in that spot and it feels like there's no way out, that might be true, but he will make a way through because he is with us. He empowers us. He helps us. But it goes beyond just helping us sort of get by in life or even thrive in life. We're actually called by the power of his Holy Spirit to carry his mission and ministry forward, to continue the works that Jesus started. I didn't pull it up for the screen, but in this same chapter in John, he would tell us that you will do the same and greater works. In other words, it's an invitation into continuing the ministry of Jesus, what he initiated, and then when he left and sent the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm sending you my helper to, so you can continue the work that I started. Well, as I mentioned, just if you're taking notes or want to write this down, 
there's a number of different places. If you just search this sort of phrase, I will not leave you alone. I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you. If you would search that out, you'll find many, many places. And what we celebrate today in Pentecost is the beginning of God's Spirit changing us and our circumstances. One of the ways that I like to think about this process, and I've probably talked to you about this before, is that in our spiritual walk, in our life with Christ, there is both encounter or event and process. So in other words, there are points along our journey where we can pinpoint, uh, on thus and so day, uh, God met me in this way. And, and, and I remember that specific moment. He did something in that moment. For some of us, our first time meeting him might be that kind of a story. Uh, for some of us, maybe it was more of a gradual progression. Because we have both. We have encounter events and we have process. I've told you my story before. Um, but just to, to summarize, you know, it was on an Easter Sunday for me, sitting in my little home church in 1992, and I don't know if I ever gave this correction. When I told this story last time, I, I sh- sh- shorted myself a decade. I had said 21 years ago, and my wife said after church, how old do you think you are? She said, that was 31 years ago. I'm like, okay. So anyway, but in that service, Having grown up in the church, I had been exposed to Jesus. In other words, you could say I had been in a process of being raised in a Christian home. And that may not be the story for all of us, but that was my story. So I'd been around these things. They, they tell me I was in church from the time I was two weeks old. And I didn't go the first two weeks because I was born in the middle of a blizzard. And there was just no way mom was getting a newborn out. It was all we could do to keep our little two-bedroom trailer warm in the midst of that winter storm. We weren't about to go out and drive the three miles to church. But in April of 1992, sitting on the front row somewhere over here, I had what I could now describe as as an encounter or an event. But I actually felt tangibly the drawing of the Holy Spirit and responded in a way that I could say that was a point in my life. If you sort of imagine a a line of, of your life, I can put a little dot there. And it's not important that you, that you have that necessarily, but for me, that story is, is an event. God met me in that moment and did something significant that was a turning point in my life. Now, there are numbers of other dots along those lines. Somewhere along, I don't actually know the exact date, but I can tell you the story, and I'm still a dot on my line. Around 2002 or 2003, uh, I've always been a, a person who loves music. A lot of different kinds. Uh, grew up uh, almost exclusively listening to, you know, late 80s, early 90s Garth Brooks. Um, yeah, I got some fans here. Um, listened to a lot of Christian music. You know, I, I, I've kind of been all over the map. But one of the results of that was my friends and I would often want to travel to music festivals. And we've been out to Lake of the Ozarks and a bunch of different places. Um, but one of my favorite Christian bands of my high school years was Third Day. How many remember Third Day? They were the headliner at the Godstock Music Festival in Fairfield, Illinois, which from where I grew up in Southern Illinois, it's about a 90-minute drive. And so we determined 
uh, not only are we going, but we're going all day. You know, and this was a festival that's like, you know, the, the, the mediocre bands, you know, kind of start at 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning, and it's just nonstop all day. I mean, there had to have been 30 or 40 bands that played that day. It's out in a big field. This Now, if you've been to the festival in more recent years, it's actually died down a lot. But at this point, there was probably four to 5,000 people attending this music festival, and, you know, we're out there with our cooler and our sunscreen just getting baked, <laughs> sunburnt. But we, we did all of that and stayed all the way till about 7 or 7.30 that night, just about dusk, third day comes up to headline. And somewhere through the course of their set, uh, they just sort of switched gears and started singing worship songs. And I don't know if it was just the exhaustion of the day or the sun baking me. I suspect it was the Lord doing something significant in my life to give me another one of those events, those encounters. That in the midst of, and I don't actually remember which particular song it was, but in the midst of that song, I just sort of had that feeling of being almost overwhelmed by my level of love for the Lord and and just began crying out to Him in worship and, and lifting my hands Tears are streaming down my face, you know, and, and it would be easy to say, you know, well, yeah, you know, you, you were exhausted and that was an emotional moment and maybe we're susceptible to those things. But I like to say one of the ways that we can judge an event like that is by the fruit that it causes. And so you can say whatever you want about that moment where uh, now, looking back, in hindsight, I say that was probably the moment that I actually met the Holy Spirit. I had not experienced His presence to that degree or in that way prior to that moment. But the other thing that you might not know about my story is that it was just very shortly after that that I actually began to do ministry and began working with the worship team in our church to introduce some contemporary Christian music and began leading things and having opportunities to preach. And, and not that uh, meeting the Holy Spirit is always tied to that, but for me there was something mysterious that I can't quite explain that happened in that moment of encountering the Holy Spirit that changed the trajectory of my life and actually enabled me and empowered me to do things uh, that I couldn't do before. And so as we go today, I just want you to, to think about, you know, what, what are some of those dots on your line? What are some of those places where you could say, God met me here and he did something, and maybe I didn't recognize it at the moment, but I know things were different after that. See, that's for me. I, I would not, and the interesting thing was, all of my friends with the music festival were, were like very Pentecostal. So, you know, to them, this was like, oh, they, they knew what this was. They're praying for me. You know, but here I am, you know, a, a good country Baptist boy. And, I, you know, I just think, well, this was just overwhelming. I, I don't have language. I don't, I don't understand exactly what's happening. And I don't know that it was important that I did. But now looking back, I can say on either side of that point, things were very different. And there's no other explanation for that. The emotional part of the experience can't be given credit for my life changing. 
that is a work of the Holy Spirit because he comes and encounters us. Now, I don't want to tell those stories and leave you thinking that that's the only way the Lord works with us. He also works with us through process. But I like to think of it this way, as that as the Lord's working with us through process, he's always moving us toward another event, another encounter, because we need both. We need process. We need to learn and grow and become students of the Word and the Spirit. We need that process of growth. We need all that's included in that. But we also need moments where we come crashing face-to-face with the reality of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And the truth of the matter is, sometimes uh, we might be in a process, and that event or that encounter can actually accomplish in a moment, again, it's like one of those mysteries, but only by the Holy Spirit, can accomplish the same thing that my process might take a long time, months, weeks, years, whatever. You know, so, so we're always moving. We're always, and, and so I say all of that to say what we're celebrating today in the church counter in Pentecost was sort of the initiation of God sending his Holy Spirit. It was the beginning of God changing us and our circumstances. And so I would ask you to begin pondering as we talk this morning, how has God changed you? What has been parts of your story where he's encountered you? I want to jump back as we begin thinking about that and actually read a few verses from Acts 2, uh, telling the story of this event that, that we're actually uh, sort of marking in our calendars today and celebrating, and then we'll have some other thoughts. Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread throughout their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. I want to talk to you just a minute about this story. And the first thing I want to draw your attention to, and again, if you would look, if we draw out a few different translations, there's different ways that this verse is rendered. But when we look at verse 2, I like the imagery. Having lived in North Carolina for nine years, I have... Uh, experienced, uh, and you perhaps you have here too, even growing up, you know, this is, we're kind of part of Tornado Alley, you know, so have you experienced those moments where, what I'm trying to get at is, it doesn't say that suddenly a violent wind, it says a sound like that of a violent wind, and how how many of you understand how forceful the wind has to be to make a sound that's that violent? We're not talking about a gentle breeze here. And what I was starting to say is, you know, living in North Carolina, we lived through multiple uh, hurricanes, and we didn't always leave. We have actually, you know, what they say, hunkered down rather than bugging out and leaving, depending on the severity of the storm. Um, And the kids probably don't necessarily have memory of this, but one particular storm, which was named after me, it was Hurricane Matthew, um, was one that we stayed for. 
And actually, as significant as a storm as it was, and it was very damaging for many in our area, it was one that we stayed for. And I had never up to that point, even having grown up here in the Midwest and, and been through a number of tornadoes and other events, I had never heard a wind make that kind of sound. And it's almost hard to describe. Um, and, and we lived in a, in a rather large house at the time. And we were able to maintain our power most of the time. One thing North Carolina is good at is a lot of underground power lines because they deal with these events all the time. So we actually were able to maintain our... Uh, now, it flickered on and off, but we didn't actually lose it for any extended period of time. But as that eye wall began to pass, and then there's sort of the moment of quiet, and it's actually on the backside that is typically the most violent. If you, if you study kind of how these storms work, it's not necessarily the leading edge as... as sort of scary as that can be, it's on the backside and the way those winds come that I, 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 don't, I don't even have words for you today to describe. It's more than just a sound because it, 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 you, you feel the pressure shifting in the atmosphere. You know, that suddenly this, this rock-solid house, you know, which, which weathered the storm, didn't feel in that moment quite as solid. And we don't have basements out there like we do here. You know, so... Um, and if you were to look at other translations, there's a number of different ways that they describe this, but I, I just want to help paint the picture for you that this was not a calm event. This was something that, that caught them by surprise, that probably for many of them could have been terrifying. You know, it's, 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 not a, it's not just a, a, a gentle breeze. This was a significant event. But the other thing that I found is, and, and again, there's a lot of these things I'm talking about today that, that, that there's mystery around. I, I can't give you a scientific explanation for all the ways of God, right? But sometimes what God needs to accomplish goes beyond our words. We need to experience something and be comfortable with the mystery. So I want to focus on this for just a minute. Pentecost, as we've described it, is both an event or an encounter. You could sort of use those terms interchangeably. And God uses these encounters, the same as the dots on the line that we were talking about a minute ago, to initiate and or accelerate the process he has us in. In other words, to, to give you one final thought of this idea of, of encounter and process an encounter is always an invitation to more. In other words, I could have experienced what I experienced on that day at the music festival, encountering the Holy Spirit. I, I could have just brushed that off and said, God, that, you know, that, that gave me goosebumps or that, you know, like that felt good, you know, and just left it there. But anytime God meets you, especially in a dramatic way, it's actually an invitation to more. And, and I don't know if it was out of just pure curiosity and ignorance, but I, as a result of that, I recognized this was different enough than my prior experiences. I began asking the Lord, what, what was going on there? You know, and, and so that encounter initiated a process of me getting to better know the Holy Spirit. Because of what he did in a moment, it prompted me to begin asking questions, to communing with him more closely, to praying more, to exploring more, so that I could then continue to move forward in the process 
that he has they had me in at the time. Well, I want to just make this statement, and you probably already know that it's true, but sometimes the simplest, most obvious thing still needs stated. At any given time, any one of us needs what the Spirit has for us. We need his help. We need his encounter. We need his wisdom. We need his empowerment. And at the same at any given time, anyone in the world might have that same statement. So in other words, as we go through life, whatever we bump into, that any given time, we, we, just, we need him. And I want to just emphasize to you today that, that he's available, that we can ask him for that. I want to I make this statement. We, as God's church, the people of God, the people of the Spirit, us who call him are here to offer what we have experienced to the world like that's part of that carrying the mission and ministry you know this is not talking about evangelism we're not talking about although i want you to do all of that i want you to share your story and, and invite people but what i'm talking about here is on a more basic level what we carry and what we experience the world needs the people in the world need and, and understand what I'm saying here. It's not about what happens in the encounter. I'm not saying the people of the world need to have a goosebumps moment. No, the people of the world, and us included, need to have the fruit of what can be changed in your life as a result of encountering the living God. That's what we need. That's what this world needs. That's the only hope for things to truly change. Whatever societal issue pops into your mind when I say that phrase, things need to change, the only way that that's going to happen for, for good, for the benefit of the kingdom, is the power and presence of the Holy Spirit through his people. This is what I meant when, when we talk about influencing society. There is teaching out there that says, you know, well, basically the, the, the church should sort of take over the, the government and, and we can rule and extend God's kingdom that way. I, I don't find that to be true. I don't, I don't think that's what we're called to. But we are called to influence the world. We are called to influence society. And it doesn't mean that government doesn't have its place. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But our primary goal, our primary purpose is to influence the world by being different, by being that light that shines, by extending the love and grace of Jesus and inviting everyone we come in contact with into that encounter with Jesus. As we encounter God's Spirit, He encounters us with His presence, with His power, and with His help. You know, I, can't, I can't emphasize this enough and I can just, again, I'll relate this back to my story. I have numerous times in my life that I've encountered things that looking back, I wouldn't have made it through that thing without the Lord's help. I wouldn't be standing here today. I wouldn't be in the marriage that I'm in. I wouldn't have the beautiful, amazing children that I have. Like there are just countless things where I've needed the Lord's help. Now, before we totally shift gears, I want to talk to you just for a minute 
we, we, we titled the message this way. It's like we haven't even touched on it yet. The Holy Spirit can be known as both wind and fire. Now, I don't know if we'll have time to flesh all of this out today. But as I was thinking about this and thinking back to the examples and just what's naturally true, a wind empowers. You think of a sailboat. How does a sailboat move forward? It moves forward on the power of the wind. The wind empowers it to be able to move forward. The wind disrupts, just like I shared it in our story. Now, our, our home in that particular storm was fine, but many of you know a couple years later, Another actually smaller storm caused a giant cypress tree to fall on our house, and which not only disrupted the physical structure of our home, but began a process of rearranging our life. We had to actually move out of that house. That was the beginning of the process again. Now looking back, of the Lord preparing us to come here. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think the Lord pushed the tree over. I'm, I'm not saying that. Uh, he, he doesn't. He doesn't author destruction now i think that he uses it i think he uses that as part of our process and and just to give you this little bit you know that was not a storm we would have bugged out for based on the intensity level of the storm that was predicted we would not have left however for whatever reason we had already planned to be gone that weekend and so we were here in illinois at, at their house. My in-laws are here this morning, not to put you guys on the spot, but uh, for totally unrelated reasons. And so we weren't there when that happened and, and therefore avoided the trauma of being in the house of, you know, just everything that would have been involved with that. And I would attribute that to the Holy Spirit's help as well. Like there's no other, I mean, if we would go back and look at everything, like there's no other particular reason that it had to be that weekend that we went. But we, that's just when we went. We just decided and said we're going, and so we weren't there. But the wind disrupts. It takes the status quo, and, and, it, and it disrupts it. Because what I was starting to say is, you know, there were all sorts of other things. You know, I mean, there were people from that storm in 2016 that when the storm happened in 2020, four years later, where we had to move out of our home, hadn't rebuilt their homes yet from 2016. Due to a number of circumstances, you know, so so the wind empowers, disrupts, and rearranges. Well, how does that apply to what we're talking about here? Because some of that sounds negative to you, right? Well, I would say that when we encounter the Holy Spirit as wind, sometimes he messes up our plans. Sometimes he rearranges what things look like relationship-wise, job-wise, you know, and again, this is a fine line. We're not talking about God destroying things, but but when we come in full contact with, when we encounter the Holy Spirit, it will disrupt things. It will cause you to reevaluate your priorities. It will cause you to potentially rearrange your life around new priorities, to pursue new things based on what he's doing in your life. Now, I'm just going to touch on this other one for just a second and move on. But we also know that it talked there about how the Holy Spirit spread like wildfire. Well, fire both consumes and spreads. You've probably known the stories of the regular wildfires of the last several years on the West Coast and other places. You know, those things spread. But here's the other thing for us in a more practical sense. Fire also purifies. So it can be destructive. 
But in the life of a believer, the fire of the Holy Spirit is a purifying agent. In other words, for those of us who know Jesus, he wants to continue to, this is a word we don't use a lot in modern day language, sanctify us. The process of setting us apart, making us more like him, making us more holy, not in a way where I can, you know, look down my nose at you and say, well, I'm holier than you, you know, because I did thus and so. But there is a process of becoming more like Jesus, and the fire of the Holy Spirit is part of that process because when he comes in fire, he actually helps purify. In other words, burn away the things that are not of him but also come with his wind to empower the parts of us that are of him. And so we need both. We need both. I'm running short on time here, so I'm going to save some of this. But I simply want to say to you before we begin to wrap this up uh, with a few words from Jay, we are a people of the Spirit. And part of what I mean by that is it's not just a concept or an idea that we tack on it's who we are we are let let me put it this way this is maybe a little bit different angle on it but we as as human beings are not primarily physical beings with a spiritual experience we are actually primarily spiritual beings with a human experience at our core Created in the image of God. We are spiritual beings. And yes, we have a human experience. Yes, there's, this table is real. There's touch. There's, there is an experience. But what I'm, I'm trying to get to is the, the realist reality is that of the Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. Of the kingdom. That is actually... I know that, that like... It makes my brain hurt even to say it. Because, you know, it's like for us, like we're, we're tactile, we're tangible, like, the, well, th- this is real because I can, I can touch it. I can bang on it and it makes noise and I can move it and I can manipulate it. You know, th- this, I, I can pour this, the elements, we, we understand all of that and I think that, that's real. The reality of the spiritual kingdom is even more real. And and me just saying that to you is not going to convince you of it. This is why we need the encounter, the experience of the Holy Spirit, because it is in that process and in that encounter of coming in contact with the kingdom of God that we begin to understand. We begin to understand, and it takes more time than we have to live on this earth. We probably won't fully understand, but... I like to say it this way, as as good logical, analytical Americans, don't we often want to analyze an idea here? Okay, let's get it to make sense. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That's in order. That fits on my checklist. Okay, I'm going to try to get my heart to believe it, right? The kingdom doesn't work that way. The kingdom comes and encounters you in your heart first. That reality comes in contact with you. You experience it. And then you start a process of growing in the knowledge of all things, beginning to understand. But we must first accept in faith the reality that the Spirit brings. We must recognize as as little children, you know, I can't explain exactly what happened to me, but I know that was God. Now, 
It doesn't mean we don't need discernment. We don't need to check things against the word. We do. We, we, have, we have sort of guardrails and, and processes to help us determine because there are things out there that masquerade, that look like God that aren't. But we need to accept in childlike faith that reality as he encounters our heart. We are a people of the Spirit. Now, the last little tag I want to put on that is as vineyard people, it doesn't mean that we have to be anti-intellectual either. It, we're not against, uh, this might sound obvious to you, but I always latch on to it. If we're going to have theology, we, we're better off having good theology than bad theology, right? So we're not, we're not saying don't study, don't, don't have, and we have, I'm so grateful. We have people in our movement that, that are far more scholarly than me that that study these things that go to the sources that 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 search out and mine out the the realities and the truths of the word of god because as much as we're leaning into our experience our experience is never going to take us outside of the character of god that we find described in the scripture in other words he's not divided in that way what he has spoken will work with what he is speaking. Okay, he he, he kind of knows how to, how to make all of that come together. My question to you this morning is simply, are we open? Are we open to God's Spirit? Here in just a moment, we're going to show about a five-minute clip. Um, this is our Vineyard USA National Director Jay Pathak. He's been leading the vineyard churches across the country for the last year and a half, uh, originally from Columbus, Ohio. And this is just a, a portion of his Pentecost message, but I thought it was so important, some of the things that he brings up. And um, also thought it's just helpful for you to see a face, to connect, that we are part of something larger as Vineyard Church Peoria, we are one of, of hundreds of churches around the country and thousands around the world. And so after this short clip, I'm going to come back up and we're going to pray for each other and we're going to do some ministry. I just want you to be pondering that thought. Are you open to God's Spirit in you, through you, for the first time, for the hundredth time, wherever you are on that journey? Are you ready for a new dot on your line? Do you have something going on that, you know, it might be good if I had a turning point here? I don't know. All right, let's go ahead and hear from Jay, and then I'll come back up. testament talks about fruit of the spirit like your very character can change as you've been encountered by filled and keep on being filled by the holy spirit self-control kindness different kinds of attributes are fruit of the spirit because you're being filled with the spirit some of you have been trying so hard i'm trying not to be angry i'm trying to have self-control trying to overcome these things what the scripture says what you need is to yield yourself to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to be filled afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit? See, in the vineyard, we're a people that say, 
Come, Holy Spirit. It's an ancient prayer. We pray it all the time in our gatherings. Come, Holy Spirit. We're not saying God isn't already with us. What we are saying is warm our affections to you. Touch our bodies. Touch our minds. Take over our lives. Fill this place and all of us with the power and the presence of heaven itself. Let me just say one last thing. And then we're going to take a minute now and we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to fill you afresh with his spirit. Uh, Many, if not all of our vineyard churches, take time every week to wait on God, to listen to God, and to pray for one another because every Sunday can be Pentecost Sunday. I want to just give you one last thought where some of you are nervous. You're saying, you know, I was in a church tradition where I was told if you open yourself up spiritually, what if like instead of bumping into God, you bump into a demon? Like am I allowed to say, you know, open myself and say, God, give me your spirit. What if something evil comes in? Well, Jesus addresses this directly. He says this interesting thing at the end of teaching on prayer where he says, you know, which of you fathers, though you are evil, first of all, he calls all dads evil, not entirely wrong, but though you are evil, which of you fathers, that if your son were to ask you for a fish, would they give you a scorpion instead? Or if you were, if you were to ask for bread, they would give you, you know, uh, a snake. I mean, what dad would torture their kid by giving them something evil when they ask for something good? He says, but here's the deal. You who are evil kind of, you know, you wouldn't do that. How much more? Here's how it ends. How much more then will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks? How much more then will God give his spirit to those who ask? All over the vineyard, all over this country, frankly, outside of this country, around the world, we're coming before God again and saying, come Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Fill our churches, fill our lives. Because here's the truth, guys. What God wants to do in the world is going to take a lot more than your intelligence, your best effort, our best gifts, our the most charisma we have. We need to be Filled afresh with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me pray for us. So Holy Spirit, I pray for each church, each vineyard church. I pray that you would come. We pray the ancient prayer. Come Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh. And there's some today that today is their day to just say yes to you, Lord Jesus. They came with a friend. They're not even sure why they're here, but they're realizing right now, because you're speaking to them, that this is real, this is true, and it's time for them to yield, to receive the gift of life that's offered in you, Jesus, that you died, you rose again, you ascended, and you're calling their name. So for those those who are thinking that right now, reach to them now, Lord. There's others of us that we've been followers of you, but we've been dry. We're, we're tired. We're worn out. And we say again, come Holy Spirit. Pour out your spirit on every vineyard church right now. Pour out your spirit afresh. And pour out your spirit on every church. The whole body of Christ. We say, God, we need a, a refreshing of, of your spirit. We need the water of your presence to quench us. We need the wind of your spirit to carry us. We need the fire of your spirit to burn away everything that should not remain. And I pray a fresh outpouring of your presence. Fill us afresh 
Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.